from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Okay, so this week we are listening, or have been listening, to Bones UK, their self-titled album, and I... If I have it, their Wikipedia blurb is so small that I thought I would just read it. I mean, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, there really isn't a lot there. So this is a Stephen suggestion, Bones UK, uh, a rock band from Camden Town, London, consisting of lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist Rosie Bones, uh, lead guitarist Cameron Vanderberg, and a drummer named Heavy. The duo met uh, each other at a blues kitchen in their hometown and were in an all-girl fake all-girl band Fake Club from 2012 to 2014, before forming Bones UK later that year, uh, caught the attention of musician Jeff Beck uh, early on in their career. Uh, we should definitely listen to some Jeff Beck at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. He's uh, he's awesome. He was in the Yardbirds. Uh, who asked the band to co-write his 2016 album Loud Hailer? Maybe that's a good place to start. And to perform with him on tour, which would have been pretty cool. Since then, Bones UK relocated to Los Angeles, put out multiple singles independently before releasing their debut self-titled album, which is what we're listening to, which was released on July 12, 2019. And yeah, they confront everything from beauty industrial complex to toxic masculinity to sexism within the music scene. Also includes a cover of David Bowie's Afraid of Americans, which is how you said you became aware of them, was it not? Yeah, um, excuse me. Yeah, a friend of mine had recommended the cover of I'm of Afraid of Americans. And I just, I instantly, like, clicked with that sound so like easily that I just, I had to give the album like the rest of the album a listen. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. one thing too, like this thing with where they like Jeff Beck, which was crazy to me when I first found it out, like had them co-write his album and travel with him on tour. Rosie bones and Carmen have some real big friends. It seems like, because um, I found an interview where Carmen Mandeberg, the guitarist actually met Jeff Beck at a party for Roger Taylor of queen fame. And then, yeah, after like, I guess um, Rosie had said it was only two shows they had performed. And then Jeff Beck came to see them. And the end of that third show, he essentially was like, hey, I want you to write my album with me and I want you to come on tour for a couple of years with me. Um, So they took like a full three year hiatus where they just worked with Jeff Beck and traveled like I think they said they traveled uh, Japan and America with Jeff Beck performing this album they wrote together. That's really cool. Because I've heard of other artists doing that, um, but usually it's sort of within like later in their career. Like the one I know, I think the one I'm most familiar with is Peter Frampton took a break from his personal career. And I think he went on the road with David Bowie. Oh, that sounds right. I don't know it like conclusively, but I feel like I've heard that story before. Yeah, this going back to like once upon a time I watched Behind the Music on David Bowie or Peter Frampton. I think it was Behind the Music on Peter Frampton and they talked about that. So I am just going to do a quick Google search. <laughs> yeah let's go we double check that um yeah so like this album it's very very industrial rock um i mean even the first song boring is beautiful you f- like it would fit so well in a 95 98 era kind of nine inch nails album um yeah i th- i think later on they get into playing with sounds and with mixes in a way that i think i really love like it really elevates industrial um but that's the sound that caught me right was that like instantly when that like um that like distorted electronica kicked in i was like okay i think i'm in like i don't listen to nine inch nails like super regularly but they are a band i've always loved (laughs) yeah i haven't listened to much of them 
Um, really quick, yes. Uh, Peter Frampton went out with David Bowie in 1987, and Stevie Ray Vaughan went out with David Bowie in 1983. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Um, That's like too. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so David Bowie had uh, a knack for plucking really, <laughs> really talented guitarists out of their own solo careers, taking them on tour, which is probably a good paycheck for them. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I don't know a lot of Nine Inch Nails. I have to admit, I really, really don't. And I'm looking forward to the day that you suggest we listen to them um, because I really don't know where to start. <laughs> with Trent yeah. Reznor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a whole conversation for another day, but I yes. will one day suggest a, an album because I like, they're not, they're not the kind of thing I throw on, you know, when I'm doing my errands during the day, <laughs> but they're just, they're a band that I'll always love. Um, and a lot of that comes from my dad was super into nine inch nails. Like my dad had me pretty young, right? He was only 19 turning 20 when I was born. So he, he really grew up and his, his whole teenage years was, Nine Inch Nails, Nirvana, like that grunge, that thick new electronica they were playing with. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a lot of that kind of sound just in the background of my life. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's always stuck with me. Um, and I, I'm sure that's a big reason why I love this, like Bones UK, is that they instantly kind of hit me in that spot where I was like, oh man, I know this sound. I know this, this like feeling. And then as you go through the album and they start to kind of layer onto it, I was just, I was so impressed. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I mean, you know, my 1994, my dad was 42 and um, well past his musical prime. And, uh, and, and I was 10 in 94. So I don't know, just one of the really cool things I, I enjoy about talking music with you is just, you know, yeah. uh, the difference in where we came from. That's what I mean. I like, I love that the gap between us isn't so dramatic that we can't kind of understand or see eye to eye on things, but it's wide enough that it gives us kind of a fun different perspective on kind of how these, how this music got into our lives and how it affected us growing up. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say a sound like this, you know, I didn't, again, not having the nine inch nails and not really having a whole lot of exposure to like industrial music. Um, you know, this to me just took me back to like watching the matrix. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) In a big way. (laughs) Um, and also I have cousins that are a lot older than me and I remember some of them, listen to industrial music um i have a cousin scott who is you know all my cousins are a lot older than me um and he he listened to i remember going to visit them in the 90s i was pretty young and uh he was listening to a lot of industrial at the time but they had the advantage of growing up in brampton so they were close enough to toronto that they could get like uh u of t radio stations and stuff oh that's cool so yeah it's actually the first uh time i ever saw anime as well my my two cousins scott and todd hey if you're listening um <laughs> i haven't spoken to them in fucking 20 years but uh <laughs> it's the problem when you have your cousins that are like adults when you're born right. um <laughs> i remember they used to work nights and stuff like they just always seemed to be up all night when we went to visit and i remember waking up a few times going upstairs and they were watching like imported japanese anime in japanese <laughs> in like yeah. the 90s and stuff it was crazy yeah it was, so that's true og 90s anime right there yeah yeah absolutely um just my like nerdy computer cousins watching anime at like three in the morning at their mom's house like (laughs) (laughs) they're both very successful and so yeah that's that's kind of my introduction to industrial music so you know i found some along the way but especially like this band of like this heavy industrial guitar music with two women like i just kept hearing switchblade symphony i don't know if you've ever heard switchblade symphony oh the name sounds familiar i don't know if i could tell you any of their (laughs) songs off the top of my head honestly okay 
worth a listen. They're they're eclectic, eclectic enough that we could probably throw them into our podcast here pretty early. Um, I'll probably put a pin in, in that. But um, so yeah, you heard Afraid of Americans, and how long have you been listening to this album for? So I first heard Afraid of Americans probably two and a half, maybe three months ago. Um, I actually, it was about three, four weeks after I listened to I'm Afraid of Americans on a gross amount of repeats <laughs> to a point. I'm pretty sure, you know, my wife's going to take my Spotify account away. <laughs> I list, I listen to it like every day in the car, like just without fail at least once. Yeah. It wasn't about till like three, four weeks later that I, I really sat down and listened straight through the album. Um, so my first exposure to the full album was about, we'll say about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. Um, and then since then I've just been kind of like shuffling the songs into my like random, like daily mixes on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and just kind of letting them fall naturally into the rest of my music. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe, but there's a different type of appreciation to hearing it that way. As much as I love sitting down and kind of experiencing, exploring an album, in one go um i found i connected to the songs in a completely different way where I, when i was hearing them much more sporadically and kind of without reason or order to them yeah um and then obviously when we decided to do this i've done like a full listen my usual in the car kind of sitting around the house on speakers and then with headphones yeah and i don't know there's just something about their sound like every time i listen through the album short of a couple like everybody has short of a couple songs that were Eh, I could do without I find every time I listen through I really like the album just a little bit more I always find something else that I hadn't noticed kind of that yeah. first run through yeah um this was the first album I don't think I listened to the whole thing on headphones um I listened to it a lot at my day job where I basically have the whole front of the office to myself now that we're on split shifts so I lis- listen to it mostly that way this album really clicked for me the first or second time I listened to it in the car, though, which is usually where I am when I listen to stuff like this. This isn't usually like music I listen to while I'm cooking or music I listen to. Um, I won't say like for pleasure, but it's not the kind of music I gravitate to if I just want to listen to music. This is like I'm going somewhere and I want to listen to stuff. It's usually where I listen to like any kind of heavier or very electronic music is usually in the car. And that's where it kind of connects with me because that's the only place in my life where I can really listen to it loudly. Mm, Fair enough. Yeah. And I think this is for sure. This is just the type of sound, like the type of band that you get more out of it when it's loud. Like it's, it's just designed to be loud music. Yeah. That was one of the troubles I had with it at work is because I was trying to listen to it on like a fairly reasonable volume, the first five, six songs I was really into. And then, yeah, by the time I got to like, skeleton and then beyond that until i got to girls can't play guitar i found they just kind of blurred like i can think of you know beautiful is boring filthy freaks pretty waste leech i'm afraid of americans and maybe souls i can like hear them in my Mm -hmm. head i've listened to enough times that i can remember them and hear the choruses the rest are a blur and then girls can't play guitar like that's i hear that one too it's a strong ending um and then filthy freaks radio edit i didn't bother with yeah i was actually if you had i was gonna ask like, I know this is totally out of order, but that radio edit, as far as I can tell, is not different than the original. And <laughs> I I listened to the chorus, like, on repeat for a solid two, three minutes with my volume cranked. I'm yeah. 100% sure they still drop an F-bomb in the middle of that chorus. Like, I, huh. I don't know what's different about the radio edit. Like, as far as I can tell, it's the exact same song. Well, it's not list. It's not even, it's not flagged as explicit. I know, so maybe that, like, it's just blended in a way that 
you can still kind of hear the swear word, even though technically it's not there. Maybe. Kind of one of those just like being sneaky to get on the radio things. But it just made me laugh because I listened to it on repeat to notice a difference and there just wasn't one. Huh. Which I guess yeah, is I don't a good know. thing for radio edit, but yeah, it just really confused me. <laughs> I enjoy how some songs can like sneak by, you know, like for 30 years we've been hearing, you know, seemed like a harmless little fuck in Jeremy on the radio. <laughs> Um, and then there's a Lady Gaga song. What is it? Um, poker Face, where she says, you know, pa 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 poker yeah. face, and then she goes fa fa fuck her face. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, that apparently completely skirted by most people, and the radio played the hell out of that song. So I don't know. Maybe they were just like, it's the radio edit, and they just like you know smeared some Vaseline on fuck and just kind of called it a day. Like I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk about that more once we get to the bottom of the album, but for sure. All right. Needless to say, that's punk as fuck. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's swing back to track one. Beautiful is boring. Strong start. Yeah. Um, I really like this track. Um, I don't by any means think it's the strongest t- track on the album, but I do think it's a beautiful intro. As soon as that's like that track breaks, you instantly know the kind of sound you're in for. I think boring is beautiful is a really great, really um, like well-polished sound. Yeah, but I think its best purpose is that it it kind of immediately is like, hey, you know, we're going to do a couple things different throughout, but this is what you're going to hear. Yeah. And I found that, yeah, listening to the album full through Boring is Beautiful really set me up to pay so much more attention to the kind of the noise and the influence that you hear throughout the album. Yeah, I would agree. It's not. It's not the best song on the album by any stretch of the imagination, but it really sets a great tone. I think her vocals are great. I like the way she sings the song. I think the way that, you know, they're starting out strong with going after, like, the way women are perceived and going after the way, like, you know, beauty is supposed to be everything. And it's just like, nah, you know, beautiful. Yeah, right. I like it. You kind of immediately get that there's, even though their sound isn't kind of what a lot of people would consider punk, their lyrics are very, very punk. Like, this whole album is about challenging society and challenging um, what's deemed normal and necessary. And I think boring is beautiful is a really great way to set that, that tone. Yeah. Did you watch the music video for this song? No, actually that's one of the things I wanted to do. And I just, I let myself get busy and never got around to it. It starts I, out it's great. before the music starts, then starts out with her, like getting face on a couch. Wow. And then she basically just like pushes them away, hauls her pants up and then like walks out of the room. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah. I know that like the only one I have watched was I'm afraid of Americans and yeah. God damn, that's a music video. Like <laughs> they pulled no punches on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish now that I've seen a couple of them that I thought to watch more of them before we did this, but yeah, I'm going to um, watch them after at least. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say, you know, not, not to like jump ahead to like the ending part, but I'd say, yeah, this is probably the first album we've listened to. This is going to be something I continue to listen to. This is going to be stuff that I like throw into a playlist pretty regularly. Even with the Pink Floyd one that I suggested um, last week, that's still sort of like and not something I listen to all the time. That's something I'd probably put in a regular playlist. Um, I would say this is. This is definitely like driving music and um, stuff that I would listen to regularly. I just, I just love the sound of it. I just love how it's, you know, this sort of wall of sound and I just really love the way they sing. It's the same reason, like you, you know. I hope you, uh, before we even get to it in the podcast, check out Switchblade Symphony and just like the song "Rain," especially. Okay, yeah, um, I'll write down the song too. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and just I love the way women sing when they're doing this kind of music. Like they're not trying to be pretty, but they're also not screaming. They're just yeah. kind of like 
they're almost like sneering. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you mean. I don't think I could find it, think of a better way to describe it than that. But I think that's one thing I really appreciate. Um, not only about kind of girl riot bands in general, but specifically Bones UK is I find they have that attitude and that it doesn't sound like they're just needlessly or kind of raging without aim. They clearly have kind of an agenda and very informed thoughts. Um, and I, I love getting that kind of clear female perspective on things. Like, I think it's really important that we expose ourselves to that because that's just something we could never know. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think vocally, this is such a strong band. Um, and I think this is kind of turning into a running trend with us. Um, clearly we're both kind of big fans of strong vocals. And I found that even though, like you said, it really is like a wall of noise at no point do I find like the vocals really get washed out or kind of considered unimportant. Yeah, the way that they um, frame their vocals is sort of like, it's like what we were talking about with Eliza and the Delusionals. It's like, this is, I think, what we meant. It's like, yeah, have this like great song underneath, but like vocals front and center, because that's because they're not doing a lot of big instrumental breaks. There's some, obviously, with this kind of music, and it would be very easy to remix some of this. And I'm sure if they don't have many already, that it's not going to be long. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I love, I love good vocals, which is funny because as somebody that was growing up learning to play instruments and stuff, I always sort of looked down on vocals, vocalists as being not really being musicians and not really having an instrument. And I've completely changed my attitude on it, but to the point now where I'm probably more interested in singing than anything else. That's really cool. Um, That's another thing I like too, is that you kind of, you have that bit of background with learning instruments and kind of learning music. Whereas I'm just, I'm just a fucking (laughs) totally like a, just like all I do is listen to songs and love them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So like, I don't know, I found Boring is Beautiful is a really good, it's a really good intro to that, like, I'd say like mid nineties kind of industrial rock that, um, that really unique electronica sound they've got. And then I found like, conversely, the second song Filthy Freaks felt much more rock to me. Um, and collectively, I think they make such a great intro to this album because Boring is Beautiful really showcases kind of what their unique sound is. And then Filthy Freaks kind of immediately shows you, hey, this group can rock. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I imagine a big part of that is like three years essentially interning under Jeff Beck. I imagine that goes such a long way towards kind of how polished and refined their sound is. Um, and they must have started pretty strong. I mean, I don't think Jeff Beck's the kind of person who's just going to be like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they clearly don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to take them with me. They're going to write my album for me. Yeah, he could probably work with just about anyone he wants at this point. I'd be very interested to know how being around him influenced and improved their guitar playing. Yeah, I, I found a couple out, like interviews where they wouldn't say anything kind of specifically, but there were for sure a couple times Carmen had said like, she, like she grew up like listening to Jeff Beck's guitar playing, yeah. and he was among like a list of three or four she listed as like huge huge influences on her. So she had said like not only the experience of being truly on tour, um, you know, co-writing that album and then just being with Jeff Beck got their brand and their name out to huge swaths of audience. They never would have had any chance with. Um, In fact, actually Rosie said there was one show in Japan where a bunch of the crowd started showing up to Jeff Beck's concert wearing bones, UK t-shirts because they were selling them side by side. Nice. Um, And yeah, Carmen had said like just being around Jeff and like his incredible depth of knowledge and his like incredible sensitivity to sound was just just watching him was enough that she felt her playing kind of evolving just being in the same room 
which yeah. I totally believe. I mean, it's, it's fucking Jeff Beck, but like, <laughs> it's just, it's really cool. I love it. I love, I can't even imagine being the first year into your, you know, it was the first year they formed Bones UK, um, 2014, that Jeff Beck picked them up. And I can't imagine what kind of surreal experience that would have been. And I think, like you said, I think in the end, um, Girls Can't Play Guitar, I think that song really, really showcases the fact that they clearly grew up listening to a lot of rock and roll. Yeah. But I felt I felt Jeff Beck in that song. Like, you can just tell the, the level of talent the guitarist has on that track is clearly from immense amount of study and having incredible like teachers or mentors as it were oh yeah absolutely absolutely filthy freaks yeah it's a great great song i like that it's a little bit stripped down after beautiful is born beautiful is born has a lot of instrumentation in it filthy freaks is less there's more vocal breaks in it Mm -hmm. i think the instruments instrumentation is neat i like the way that the phrasing goes like the way she sings it yeah i can see why they did a radio edit it for it because it is a strong song it's catchy yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Filthy Freaks is probably the song that pops into my head the most, even if it's not the song I would listen to the most. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fun and it's catchy and it's it's really clean. And I think having it after Boring is Beautiful really helps kind of exemplify that, that cleanness in the instrumentation and the, like you said, those like, where it'll drop out and you'll get like a vocal break. Yeah. I think it's just a really real, it's a really polished product yeah and i think i think it's interesting because they start off with beautiful as boring and then they have lyrics in this song like um you're a fucking piece of art and you need some peace it's like she just like found some good looking guy or lady depending on how she swings um and she's just like you know she just needs a night <laughs> yeah right and that's that's so i mean fucking late 80s early 90s like girl riot um kind of girl rock bands but it's also it's so punk to just be like, yeah, man, I don't give a shit what's going on. Let's hook up. Like, <laughs> I need a release. Clearly, you need a release. Let's just yeah. have some fun. Yeah, I need something real to sink my teeth into. I just met you, but I know you when I, when you just know. I got my car still running in the park. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like it's just a woman who knows what she wants and what she's there for. And I yeah, I she just she's album. she's here for the D, and she found one that she wants, and it's awesome. Like, <laughs> you know, I haven't listened to WAP yet, and I know I'm gonna have to, but it's like, you know, I've read the lyrics for it, and it's like, I guess it's a little more in your face, um, literally, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you read the lyrics, <laughs> but uh, like, I don't know, like. I enjoy how they go from beautiful as boring to basically saying that they, you know, she needs someone beautiful. She just needs to, to like get one in and get on with her day. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it just, just, it really shows you like, this is just, this is just a person. And it's just a person singing about and doing whatever the hell they want, because why does it matter? Yeah. I almost wish, um, yeah, I, I almost wish because of the, lyrical content of this album that we had a woman joining us for this episode. <laughs> yeah. I know. Hopefully oh, at well. some point we'll get to the point where we can start, you know, bringing in guest speakers, start inviting our lady friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen to the shit of that podcast, but I would tell you right away. My lady knows literally nothing about music. <laughs> oh, I didn't necessarily mean even them. I just meant like some of our friends that are women. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> Danielle wants to come on the podcast. Cool, but she's gonna have to suggest an album. <laughs> oh God, I can't even imagine. Hey, I respect her. I listen to my music. She listens to hers. There's just 
there's a pretty big gap between <laughs> what we listen to. <laughs> I'd say that's that's true um, in my life as well. But uh, it's I don't know how long how long have you and Danielle been together? Ooh, it's been going on five years now. Okay, as you know, like my relationship status with the mother of my children is is on and off and has been forever, but. It's been on and off forever um, since 2004. <laughs> and so we've come, like when I met her, she was listening to like Cradle of Filth and Marilyn Manson. And then she subsequently kind of branched off into like CBC folk music and Love Nico Case and mm. all of music like that. And now like we haven't, like we've been separated and not living together now for four and a bit years and in that time she seems to listen to like a lot of like rap music see um, that's funny too because that's danielle's the same way like when me and danielle met she listened to a shit ton of country absolutely loved like say top 40 country um woof. yeah started branching into pop um after like kind of we started living the other stuff she got started listening to a bit more folk a bit more like pop punk um but my brother just loves rap it's like 99% of the music he listens to is rap. And I never would have expected, but like Danielle heard two, three tech nine songs and a, a third of her playlist on Spotify is like hardcore rap now. Wow. And I thought it was really interesting. Like you'll go through it. It'll be like Jason Derulo, Blake Shelton, tech nine. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my playlist is all over the place, but I mean, that's because I live, legitimately listen to everything yeah um, but it's just so much fun especially like if we're just driving around and she's in control of the music you, i just truly never know like is it going to be 90s boy band is it going to be 2010 country or is it going to be like early 90s late 90s like filth rap and it's it's an incredible experience <laughs> sounds like a crazy ride so pretty waste is the next song on the album what a waste of a pretty face what a waste that face that face what a waste great intro yeah, absolutely. Again, same thing, like catchy, really easy to kind of get into. But I love I love Pretty Waste in the same way that I kind of loved Interstellar Overdrive from Piper at the Gates. Because mm. I, f- I think on Pretty Waste, they play, they play with their instrumentation and they play with their like track volume levels a lot. But it doesn't ever feel experimental. Like you'll hit periods where, you know, all instrumental drop out and it's just vocals. Yeah. And then they'll kick in a guitar and then after a couple seconds of the guitar building up, you hear the drums drop. Um, and I just, I really love the way this is mixed. Like it's not as coherent a sound, but it's an extremely enjoyable one. Yeah. And they're using a lot of like um, effects on their vocals in this. It's like, it's like they're running their vocals through a distortion pedal almost. Yeah. Actually my, like my first note for the song is literally the distortion effects are fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, because that was one part that really stuck out to me, and I think it's really, really well done on this one. Obviously, people agreed though. Um, so they released three singles from this album. Yeah. It was "Filthy Freaks," "Pretty Waste," and "Choke." I couldn't find any like Billboard listing for "Filthy Freaks" or "Choke," but "Pretty Waste" came in at twenty-seven on Billboard's um, Billboard's mainstream rock rock songs list. Hmm. Um, and I guess "Pretty Waste" is the like that's what really kind of started garnering attention before they they dropped the album out. Yeah. Um, and I get it. I totally get it. Like it's, it's a, it's alt rock, but it's, it's mainstream enough that it's catchy and fun. Um, I think it's got a really broad appeal while still kind of holding true to that industrial rock sound they've got. Yeah. And again, lyrically touching on, you know, looks, I think this is really supposed to be a back and forth in like 
almost like a, you know, a, a record mogul's office or something like that, where maybe they, they want to present themselves in a way like you look at the, the album and it's like they're sort of making a play on Playboy bunnies, but they're they're sort of not they look like Playboy bunnies at like 4 a.m. Absolutely. Like I immediately thought like that album cover immediately made me think of Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Especially like 99 to 2005, where Iggy was just wearing whatever the hell he wanted. Like, he didn't give a shit if he came out in, you know, a pair of booty shorts and a pair of Playboy Bunny ears. If that's what he wanted to rock that day, he totally would. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that like disheveled Playboy Bunny, but kind of subverted to be just like a night after partying. Like, where one of them's the ears like hanging low yeah, and you can see the clothes are kind of ill-fitting. Yeah. I, I really love that. And I think it does go a really long way to showing you that a lot of the songs deal with that societal expectation of prettiness, of being beautiful, of that being the only thing a woman's worth. And I think the way they handle it on this album and even the way they kind of, they'll branch out, they'll talk about some other stuff, but they'll, they'll address that. Like there's nothing wrong with being beautiful, but being beautiful is not the only thing about you. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really strong, really like well-rounded message without compromising being just unabashedly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, in this song, like the back and forth of, you know, what a waste of a pretty face. And then they're saying like, living like this is not easy. Don't do what I should. I'm too cheap for you to own me. And no one ever could. And then the next verse, they're saying, you know, all the clever ones are lonely. The funny ones are dead. Won't wear white and don't do dinner try a bitch instead woof ha 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 like you know <laughs> will you want me when i'm old and dead it's like you know it's it's again that that idea of like you know women are only valuable when they're young and pretty and and they're just like yeah fuck that yeah right and i mean it's i think it's really important that we have more bands singing about that because that's so incredibly disgustingly prevalent in the music industry especially but i mean in everything oh yeah and it goes back to like barracuda by heart and I'm sure it predates that as well, but that's just the one that I can think of. That's you know the early. That's the earliest song I can think of that's about that. Yeah, yeah, right. Without knowing, like, I'm horrible for remembering like when albums came out or you know who came first. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was instantly the kind of thing I thought of. Right, and this is the next kind of generation of doing that, of challenging society and being like, no, this shit goes on and it needs to stop. Yeah, and then Leech, Ah, Leech. I, I actually, I really, really like Leech. I think it's a, it's a really strong track. Um, I feel like Leech has it is the first time kind of on the album you get a, a kind of a, a pretty clear divergent from preceding sounds. Like Leech feels very blues to me. And then it's yeah. got that like Latinx, almost like dance kind of vibe going yeah. on in the background of it. Yeah. I think it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredibly experimental sound given what they've shown us so far, but I think yeah. it's, it's superbly done. Like that beat is incredibly fun. Yeah. Even though the lyrics, like each has some of my favorite lyrics, like your religion is ugly, but you are a good slave seen at the hippest VIP graves that like, <laughs> I love that. Right. Leech is just about the hypocrisy and the, the fanatic fake. I can't think of a, yeah. a way to, modify the word fake but that fanatic type of fakeness you get in hollywood and i mean they move to la so they see it all the time and what you see in the music industry where you know people will say artists sell out and yeah that's a that's a whole other conversation because there's that's so much there's so much complicated shit in that but i thought it was really cool that they took 
they took the time on their album to address kind of just a general all-encompassing problem within the industry itself. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that so much of this song, I like they take little snippets from all these other songs. Like, you know, like I hear like, you know, very early, like nineties pop in it. But then I also hear like little Spanish things. Like there's little, that little like guitar lick that sounds very Carlos Santana E. Mm-hmm. And then all the little vocal breaks that sound like girl, like, like girl vocal groups, like destiny's child or something where like, they just stop. It's just all about the voice and stuff. And it's just, I think it's just like interesting how they touch on all these different little musicals, genres. And I'm not sure if, you know, they're trying to make a statement about it prevalent in all kinds of music or they're just making some, I'm not sure what they're going for there, but like musically, it's very interesting because it's just like you hear all these little things in it. And it's just like, for me, it was just like, damn, what song is that? It just feels like snippets of all these other songs. And it's like, where did they get that from? Where's this from? And it's just, and then. <laughs> yeah, I, and I totally agree. I think it's really interesting. And it, Right. I didn't even really consider it, but it could totally be an intentional play on, right? This is prevalent in the industry. It doesn't matter what part of the industry you are, but it's also that first time you really get like genre blending in this album. Um, And it feels like, right, this is, it's almost like a bunch of little tributes to all the, like the sounds or the bands that really made them who they are. Mm -hmm. And they, they put it all in a track and then just kind of mixed it all together. And you get this, this fun, unexpected flow where yeah the musicality sometimes changes drastically but it never feels like you're you're being pushed out or you're suddenly losing track of the song it's just it's incredibly that they mix so many different sounds into such like to what four minutes i think it's leech leech might even be shorter than that no it's um, two, 254 yeah yeah so three minutes like it's just incredible um and i do i love that they touch on so many different like you said like santana for sure you feel some of that i got a little bit of like the Stooges, a little bit of ministry. Um, but yeah, everything up to like, like Pat Benatar and even like, yeah, like Destiny's Child. It's just, I don't know. It, it just blew me away because it's, I think a really strong, really risky creative choice to make. Yeah. But I think it's really, really well done. Yeah. Um, all right. Like the chorus is, you're not getting near anything under my skin. I know the level of toxic you bring. Yeah. I just love it. I thought it had really like, strong impactful lyrics and i think a lot of that comes down to where they do those vocal breaks to really showcase the lyrics i think it's just it's a really polished product it's easily i'd say top three on this album for me yeah yeah it's fantastic i'd be interested to know yeah you know we're making the assumption that a lot of these songs are sort of about the music industry but i'd be interested to know how many of these are sort of written based on personal experience this song almost seems like some kind of like bad relationship where one of them was in a relationship with someone who, you know, thought that they had a problem or, you know, they were like, we've all, we've all met someone that we thought we could save, or we've all been in a relationship where we've realized that person was toxic, or we've all been the toxic person in a relationship trying to help someone that didn't want it. And so I wonder if this is music industry or this is personal life. I'd be, I'd be interested to know that. Yeah, um, definitely. I think realistically, honestly, it's probably a bit of both. Um, I know that like, I think every song on this album was written by Rosie and Carmen and then their, their sound engineer, uh, Filippo. So I imagine there's always a bit of kind of, you kind of, you always mix a bit of personal in, right? Um, like even pretty, what a pretty waste or what a waste of a pretty face, right? That's a line so many women have heard. I have no mm-hmm. doubt that Rosie herself has heard it. Um, and I believe one of the lines in Leech is actually, I heard you heard we were cool now. We were always yeah. cool. You were not cool enough to know. 
Yeah. Um, so I imagine that for sure has got to be pretty personal. Like that's that's a shot at someone specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to think about though. Like it's especially right. Like, and this is kind of what we ran into even with like the Rex and Eliza and the Delusionals with Bones realistically being such a new band with them taking those three years off. We don't know a ton about them yet. Yeah. And I'm really excited for them to kind of get their next kind of phase of traction so we can start learning more and seeing them in interviews and seeing yeah. their inspirations and stuff like that. Yeah, I just, uh, I would hope that they're at least interviewed well. I would love to see them on, I'd love to hear them on like a radio show or, or like another podcast where like they're there for like an hour or two just chatting. Because I yeah, find a absolutely. lot of like music, you know, just the same as like movie interviews. It's a lot of the same stupid questions. You can tell that they just have their answers rehearsed. Yeah, right. It's a script and everybody follows it. Yeah. So I'd be interested to just hear them chat about where it came from, where the songs came from, you know, the process they went through to record it and write the album. Because I always find it interesting and I find it interesting for like pop music too, especially like like Michael Jackson songs, like those kind of like huge pop songs where it's like, where did this start from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think of, you know, Michael Jackson's not a great example because I think he was asked that question one time and like he was standing in a tree and he's like, this is my songwriting tree. They come, they come to me when I'm here and someone's like, okay, but like smooth criminal, like what was that in its infancy? And it's like, well, you know, I just like heard it in my head. It's like, that's not helpful, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, you know, were these songs since they're guitarists, right? They're instrumentalists. So it's like, were these songs, did they start on like an acoustic guitar or like, you know, like a jam on the bus or there's not a lot of bands where like when they release special editions and they put like demos and stuff. I don't find a lot of that interesting. I would find it interesting here just like, cause their songs are just so big. Yeah. Right. It would just be really cool to have like Rosie and Carmen sit down and be like, you know, this is what, this is what started this song. Like this is what I, what we were doing or what I was doing, even just to hear like, Oh, I wrote, you know, the hook onto a, you know, a dirty napkin at a bar when I, you know, it just suddenly occurred to me. Yeah. We worked together to build it. Yeah. I think a really interesting part of music and music history that we just don't unfortunately hear or see a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. It's not often unless you get like a deep dive into like a band where they're at the point where like documentaries are being made about them, where stuff like that starts to come up They're you know, they're just not there. So it'd be, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Um, I'd love to hear it. We're going to tag them on Instagram and stuff when we launch, put this, um, we put this episode up. So Maybe they'll hit us up because it's 2020 and they may not have a whole lot of other stuff to do. <laughs> That'd be really great. Um, saying that, they they did actually just drop in an unplugged cover or unplugged cover. It's their songs. <laughs> um, they did just drop an unplugged album for 2020, uh, presumably because it's a lot more complicated to record and travel right now. Oh, yeah. um, and it's five tracks from the album, actually. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I haven't either. I did see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like... Uh, what a cool throwback, you know, unplugged isn't something that is really a thing anymore. Yeah. And that too, like releasing an unplugged album is so it's such a, like almost like a symptom of the music they grew up on. Like yeah. despite the obvious, like nine inch nails kind of feel, or a little bit later, you get a bit more grunginess. Um, obviously, you know, the classic grunge example being Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a shit they did all the time. Right. Like, in the early nineties to say 98, 99 releasing a garage album or an unplugged album was what you did. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool of them to do it because it's such a cool kind of 
call out to the, the, the decade of music they clearly kind of grew up in and kind of, you know, were birthed from as it were. Yeah. 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 Totally. So the cover, I'm afraid of Americans. We've kind of already touched on it. Um, I have to admit, I've only heard the Bowie song a couple of times. I, I'm afraid of Americans was one of those songs. Like when I heard it, it instantly was like, Oh yeah, of course I, I know this song. But if you, if you had caught me on any other day, I couldn't consistently have told you anything about the original Bowie version of it. Other than mm-hmm. the fact that I know it was, it's David Bowie and nine inch nails. Um, and what I found really interesting about them covering I'm afraid of Americans is that they have that kind of natural nine inch nails sound, but this is almost like a, oh man, it feels like I'm picking on nine inch nails now. I didn't even realize, but this feels almost like Johnny Cash's cover of hurt where I like nine inch nails original version, but I like yeah. Johnny Cash's so much more. And when somebody <laughs> mentions the song to me, it's the Johnny Cash version I think of. Yeah. And I think, honestly going forward their cover of i'm afraid of americans is going to be the one that i think of because you can tell they respect the original work and you can tell they respect both bowie and nine inch incredibly but i felt too that they weren't afraid to change it up and take risks and kind of make it their own and i think Mm -hmm. it, it greatly improved on it i think everything from the much more prevalent british accent it really gives a different edge to the song especially with the political climate between you know Canada and America and England these days, I thought it really kind of gave it a bit more punch to the track. Like it feels much more critical and biting when you can very clearly tell it's someone <laughs> from, you know, the hometown of England singing it. Definitely holds weight listening to it um, in 2020 during the pandemic. I mean, this song came out in 2019 on the album. It may have come out earlier than that. I'm not sure. But um, to think of how America is viewed now with their pandemic levels and how a UK or a US passport is essentially worthless except to go to the uk like they can still travel to england it's one yeah. of the few places they can go no i um, thought i thought england banned them too did they well yeah. i know I, maybe maybe celebrity plays some factor in it but uh when i was listening to the scrubs podcast zach braff said that he was in london and that was oh. like last week yeah it might just be because he's a celebrity <laughs> it could be a celebrity i thought i didn't know that i last i thought you i thought the uk or like england was somewhere that they could still go where they had to quarantine but like continent of europe they're basically like shown a middle finger and turned around yeah i might be wrong england might just be the one like little standout but yeah 90 percent of europe has been like nope no thanks <laughs> um going back quickly um so I'm afraid of Americans would have been, I should have wrote it down, but it definitely would have been 20, like late 2017 or 2018, because this was a song they were asked to record by Howard Stern when yeah. he released the Bowie tribute album, which of course, Howard Stern being fucking Howard Stern. It's literally called the Howard Stern tribute to David Bowie. <laughs> Masterfully creative. So it would have originally been recorded for there. And I actually think it's really interesting that they are able to put it on their album because hopefully that means they've actually retained you know, the rights to this song. That would just be really cool for them. That's just kind of like a little sidebar. It'd be really cool if they were, they were allowed to keep their, like their copyright and their kind of like royalty dues for their cover of this song. Yep. Um, but yeah, just kind of briefly going over it. Like Bowie's is much slower, much more kind of methodical, which is very Bowie. It's 99% of the focus is on his voice. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I found that the way they kind of hard rock and that, that really kind of strong industrial electronica sound. I think it really complimented Rosie's vocals on this track. Yeah. And I think she did really fun things too. So like 
during the chorus. And I believe David Bowie did the same thing. I think to me, it just, it's much more like noticeable when Rosie, Rosie says it because she has such a thick Camden accent still. Yeah. Um, where she says, um, I'm afraid of Americans and I'm afraid I can't help it. And then repeats it and says, I'm afraid I can't help it. Um, yeah. I like that too. Where she's like, I'm afraid I can't. I'm afraid I can't. <laughs> right. Just that it. it's such a small little like petty jab, but it f- just, it's such a strong one. Like I loved it. And part of that's right. I grew up, fuck, I'd say first four or five years we were here. I had a thick, thick, like Chelsea Manchester accent. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was the kind of thing I would constantly get called on was the way I pronounce things or the fact that I called, you know, garbage rubbish and i called it a i to this day i still say proper this proper that right like if we were in the middle of a rainstorm my first instinct was like oh it's proper rain and now so when we first moved here it was like i really had been born and raised in england my whole life that's Um, so cool and yeah that was just one of those fun little things i was like yeah you fucking tell them (laughs) tell them that their our language isn't wrong do you, um, I, I had a friend that was like that, where he, he spent his like childhood, very early childhood in England, had British parents. And when he got drunk, he spoke with a British accent. So mine's not, it's not super thick anymore. I spent a long time kind of mining my P's and Q's as it were to become, to use much more Canadian kind of vernacular and to kind of work that accent out. But absolutely, if I'm, if I'm drunk, like, especially if I'm like, I'm not smashed, but I'm, I'm getting pretty close. <laughs> you can, you can hear it. Like it's, it's one of those weird things where I'll have a Canadian accent and you can just hear a little bit of British hiding underneath. Um, That's awesome. But what I find a bigger issue for me is um, I have this almost like, I always feel about so bad when it happens, but I have this almost like natural instinct to mimic or repeat accents back. Okay. Um, and I do it in my head to help me understand kind of the context and the words used. But if it's like British, Australian, you know, New Zealand, all the ones that kind of sound the same, mm-hmm. I find that if I listen to it long enough, my brain like fully switches. So we used to laugh that at the job we share, one of our delivery drivers speaks like it's it's thick English, like through and through. He's a Brit and yeah. he's been here 20 years, but you, you would never think that. And yeah. after... We had like a delivery that went wrong and I ended up spending like three, four hours with him kind of just supervising and making sure everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And for the next probably two or three days, it was as if I had never left England. Like all my slang came back that like thick kind of jargon was there. Even like the speed of my speech was sped up to kind of match what it would have been when I was younger. Yeah. And I've realized that like even listening to this album back to back, I started almost slipping back into it. <laughs> so I actually, cause we just had Kane, right? Like, um, so Danielle, I was going to, this is going to binge a bunch of British like media TV songs so that I could get my accent back. And I would only talk to Kane in a British accent for the first like year just to see what happened. Just calling him mate all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. She punched me. What's weird. My phone the other day, that is total tangent. My phone the other day actually like generated a, pre-made response to someone that was no worries mate and i was like what the fuck i haven't typed the word mate ever on my phone i don't call any of my canadian friends mate and it just like it popped up and i was like fuck i'm so tempted to send it just because like how did it know that's kind of fucked up <laughs> like, sometimes you just gotta go with it um, as someone yeah, that's so like it definitely happens 
That's so cool. As someone that's like born and raised here, I this is my accent, but I watch a shit ton of British television, um, as you know. And I just, I, I find that most of the time, if I'm not watching like YouTube and I'm watching like television, television, I'm watching stuff from the UK. And there's just some things I wish I was allowed to say. Like, I just, I'm, I'm not allowed to say mate. I'm not allowed to say bloody, um, you know, rubbish and bollocks and bugger and all that stuff. Like, I'm not allowed to say those things. It just sounds so weird in my North American accent. But there's some things that I find, like, even even not having that, that has, like, slipped in. And, like, I, I constantly say, you know, if I'm honest, which I find is a very, like, English mm-hmm. thing to say. It's like, you know, oh, if, you know, your, your tie looks a bit, like, sideways there, if I'm honest. Like, I don't hear a lot of North American people say that. And then my kids have been kind of discovering, my younger kids have been discovering um, Harry Potter. Oh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, there's a lot of different accents in that. And there was this one this, in one of the movies where Seamus was, like, teasing Harry about something. And Ron says, Seamus was bang out of order, mate. And I was like, I want to say that. <laughs> bang out of order? That's perfect. Right. I hate their, I hate most of the accents, but I fucking love the words. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's the crazy thing, right? Is like sometimes when I say them, I say specific words in a completely separate accent and then switch back mid-sentence. Yeah. Um, and that's always kind of been this thing. So like, right, I, my dad was in the British military and we travel all around. So we stayed in English and, and Germany the most, actually. And Germany was where we were right before we moved back to Canada. So to this day, I can't speak more than like five words of French because I got exempted from French class because I used to speak German to my French teacher. So I would essentially I would speak English with a thick British accent. And when I attempted to speak French, I would speak German in an equally thick British accent. Um, so I actually got I got pulled into the principal's office like four or five months into my first year back. And they essentially were like, we're going to give you an exemption. You don't need to learn French because we don't think you can. And essentially the teacher broke it down to me as I couldn't understand what she was saying. And she sure as hell couldn't understand what I was saying. So (laughs) having me in that class just wasn't doing anybody any good. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. But of course now I don't know German or French, but (laughs) I'll never forget it. It was crazy. But you live in Western Canada, so it's a mild inconvenience. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank God. And imagine if we got posted to Quebec. Whew. You'd be in trouble there as long as you weren't. Uh, you'd get away with it if you were in like Montreal or something. I don't know where the postings are, but uh, that, that would have been a problem. But I mean, <laughs> in Edmonton and Calgary, you're probably safe. You'd, oh, yeah. be, you'd probably find Ukrainian more of use here than uh, English or French. Yeah, I definitely, man, I might hear French once every couple months in my kind of day-to-day life my uh my kid's mom is french she's franco-ontarian so Mm. like my kids are in french immersion french is actually in my life quite a bit and i did french immersion for five years i wouldn't say i'm bilingual to speak it anymore but i can understand it i'd say probably 80 percent at this point so even yeah the job we share and stuff there when people when their french people come in or when i've been in customer service jobs in the past it's funny because i'll occasionally run across french people that speak in French to try and like have their secret sidebar conversation. Oh, always. And I can completely understand them, which is always fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's just, just a fun experience. I remember that from like, right. Occasionally we would get German people posted in here. And that was always something I used to like doing was where, yeah, you'd hear them having their like, usually really shitty judgmental conversations. 
yeah. and just be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, a fun tangent. <laughs> fun tangent. Uh, really quick circle back. Americans are allowed to visit the United Kingdom. Britain will allow Americans, but there is a giant caveat. Americans must quarantine for two, 14 days on arrival. The penalty for breaking quarantine uh, is more than $1,200 and a night of uh, and a night in fines for violation. So basically, like, yeah, their 14 days becomes longer. Um, yeah. So I guess that's how Zach Braff went to the UK. Yeah, it's but good that's, to know. I thought that's from two UK days ago. totally closed off. So That's from two days ago. So, oh, so well, yeah. thank you for checking that. <laughs> oh, no trouble. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Bones UK. Yeah, so. Um, it's called Souls. Do you want to just jump there? Do you want to, is, are we done with Afraid of Americans? Yeah, I think we're done with Afraid of Americans. I love it. Everybody should go listen. Hate me if you think I'm wrong because it's better than the Bowie version. But that's the fight me, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, souls. Now, souls is another really dramatic kind of change musically from what the rest of the album is. I yeah. don't necessarily agree that this one was as strong or as good a choice as the rest. But I will mm. say, um, I did take the opportunity to listen to some of Fake Club, the band they were in before. Mm-hmm. Um, souls very, very reminiscent of the music Fake Club was producing. Um, you know, it's it's much more poppy. It's still rock, but it's not hard rock. Um, the tempo is much slower. And I found sometimes it just kind of strikes you as a generic, almost like self-reflective slash, you know, love song feel. Like it just, yeah. it felt to me like the same song I heard 100, 200 times from, you know, 95 straight up to 2015. Like that's just, it's one of those songs that kind of everybody produces at some point. Yeah. And it's, it's all right. Cause be, at the end of the day, they're a very strong band. Um, yeah. But honestly, my second least favorite song on this album, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think she sings it well, but yeah, the reverby thing, it's very like, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt and is what like, I thought right away. You know, you could hear Gwen Stefani doing a cover of this song. Um, um, Aramore. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they'd use that like, um, harmonica mic thing makes it sound like they're down a hallway. Yeah. yeah I like the God. lyrics though. I will give this, I, I will say any lyrics I've read of this band, I would say even the songs that I feel aren't as strong. I think the words are good. Yeah. I think lyrically they're very strong. They clearly just know how to tell a story and how to fit that story to music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clearly just going to be a strength they have. Let's see. Cause I don't honestly, remember souls much let's see if i can pull up some lyrics here a second yeah to totally. orient myself okay yeah no see right i like, when i try to picture souls in my head i really can't but even just looking at the lyrics i agree i think it's lyrically it's a very strong song yeah but yeah I don't really um, much musically it's a cool step back it's a cool stripped down sound after i'm afraid of americans i think they placed it well on the album yeah i'll say that um and i think that's that is one kind of trend you see in the album. I think they know how to build up so that you get those really strong, you know, noisy wall moments. And then they, yeah. they know how to kind of bring you back down. Yeah. Um, I felt the difference between I'm afraid of American souls was a bit jarring, but I agree. There's really nowhere else on this album. That song would work better. Oh. Um, and it, I think it leads into skeleton pretty well. Yeah, but, I would agree. Yeah. Like, it's a good song. It it has its place there. I just, I think compared to what else they were putting out, it's just, it's just not as strong. Like, 
I don't know if Souls is a song that's ever going to make it onto a playlist for me, but it's not a song right. I'll change if it pops on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's just uh, bounce out of Skeleton because we're, with our tangents yeah. and stuff, we're only halfway done this album and we are running strong <laughs> and Damn. running yeah. long. We're at an hour already and we're on, what, song seven? <laughs> yeah, so right, we kind of right. talked about this off air um, before we hit record. There are, honestly, there's a couple songs on this album. I think you should, for sure everybody should go listen to every track. They all have their, like, their great moments. I think the back half of the album sounds much, you know, musically similar. Like you had said, it blurs a bit. Yeah. Um, so Skeletone, I really love the guitar in that. Um, the, like, that steady kind of strum beat in the beginning, I think it's really good. And then the mm-hmm. way they, they drop the drums in, fantastic. Absolutely loved that moment. Didn't really give a shit about anything else. The, the <laughs> lyrics are fun. It's a catchy, cute song. Um, I could see it getting stuck in someone's head very much. Um, but it has a very, like, I don't know. To me, it felt very, like, Queens of the Stone Age. Almost. Um, oh, interesting. What's that, what's that track? Uh, Make It With You off um, Air of Vulgaris. Um, mm. That's what I kind of, I got a bit of that. Um but much more heavily, it felt like it felt very like Lord or Halsey. Um, okay, I think what they're calling like dark pop is kind of the subgenre they're starting to call that stuff. Um, yep. and I love Halsey. I'll straight to say this straight away. I think Halsey's a fucking like once in a generation vocal talent. Um, but this song just felt very, yeah, like gothy pop almost to me, like meaningful but designed to be kind of catchy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I said, I think that's it's a good follow up to Souls, um, and I think it's it's a good way to showcase their range. But yeah. again, another song I'll probably just I would let play, but wouldn't put on a playlist. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't know. I'm a sucker for like you say, like a good reverby guitar. I like it, but mm-hmm. um, I'd say not that I could write anything better, but it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, I think an instrumental version of Skeleton. I would probably dig the shit out of. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I just, I, I don't know. Same thing. Like, it's just kind of forgettable to me. Like it's like souls. I literally can't, I can picture some of the lyrics, but I can't, I can't picture the sound in my head when I think of that song. Yeah. Moving forward. See, to me, this is actually one of those areas we're going to disagree a bit off on this album, but like, I really like choke. It's honestly like top three, top four songs for me. Not that it's new or kind of musically divergent from the rest of the album or that it stands out, but I think Choke, it really showcases their sound. I think that like that blend of where the the kind of that that up-tempo rock kind of gives way into those those big bangs and, you know, the sounds of like pistons in the background. That's very industrial. Um, I think it's a really good way to get the momentum back after the slower kind of catchier souls and um, skeleton. Yep. Um, so I think, I don't think this, the track stands out. I just think it's a really strong showcase of what sound bones UK brings. Yeah. And it's cool. Um, I, th- I think lyrically um, the story she, that they tell um, it's almost like, you know, it's about like a toxic person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the way she sings it with a lot of vocal fry. Yeah. And um, if you don't know what vocal fry is, it's um, what I sometimes do when I'm not enunciating enough when we're recording this. 
<laughs> it's like it's like when you're not not actually putting enough air through your voice, and you kind of go. Oh, okay. It's like you like, make a murder. You make a yeah, murder. Me. I, like the way she vocalized it, I think it's cool. Yeah, I knew what effect you were talking about. I never would have known that's what it was called. So yeah, today it's I learned. Vocal- <laughs> vocal fry <laughs> um yeah <laughs> to understand vocals and uh singing i watch a lot of like vocal teachers and instructors and coaches on youtube because i realized when i wasn't able to play guitar as much and I, I just wanted to still try and be a musician i was started trying to learn how to sing properly um so i got to learn how to some of this um and yeah it's interesting because using vocal fry is actually considered really bad <laughs> for singing yeah, i could imagine <laughs> um there's a few vocal techniques that are like they're not considered they're, they're considered sort of like almost um full pause or an indicator of somebody that's not sort of vocally trained or vocally um like they're not projecting enough um and it can sort of damage your voice unintentionally and it's sort of like you know the way Billie Eilish sings is honestly another way that's sort of like whisper singing. Yeah. And I think I get that. Like, I think in a untrained kind of like amateur vocalist, it would be unintentional and they may not understand that they're doing it and that it, you know, might be something they should fix. But I think, um, I think Billie Eilish does it pretty well, but like you said, I think Rosie on this track exemplifies that it can be done to great effect when you know what you're doing and you know how to do it properly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's one of the most the it's it's the thing that stood out the most to me. Um, and I'm not here to say like sh- like they're doing anything wrong. And I think yeah, it's a really really good effect. Um, and you know the other song I can think of out of the gate where it was used really effectively was the song "Grind" by Alice in Chains. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Where he used a lot of vocal fry in that song. But um, "Choke" was actually a song where yeah, I think I kind of didn't have a lot of thoughts about it. And then when I was kind of doing one last listen through on the album, because my kids were using my Spotify to listen to like Harry Potter at home podcast while they went to sleep. Um, I was listening to it on YouTube and it played out of order. And this is one of the songs that played out of order. And I was like, what is this song? Like it, it completely changed my attitude about it because it played in the wrong order. So emotionally and kind of mentally, I wasn't pre writing it off because it fell in the part of the album that I largely wasn't connecting with when I was listening to it. So I would say this song kind of, yeah, it, it stands out for me in that way. Like I like the way she sings it. I like the vocal fry. And when it played out of order, it snapped my brain out of like my preconceived notions about it and made me listen to it again, kind of for the first time. And I was like, the song kicks ass. That's really cool. That's great. Yeah. Cause yeah, like <laughs> I think honestly it is, it's one of my favorite tracks. It's just such a strong, it's just so them. And I think, I think boring is beautiful is still a better opener, but I think choke could have also been, one other opening tracks and it would have been just a strong, a kind of starting message. Yeah. And then we move on to creature. I'll be honest. Creature is hands down my favorite track. (laughs) It's going to, this is going to be contradictable. I really got to change up how I think a creature has such, Oh God, it's so punk. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, where the whole album is about fighting society and, you know, changing perceptions and challenging how people think creature to me is quintessential punk creature is i don't give a shit what you call me it doesn't fucking matter i'm me and i think especially after like that like where you had said like mid midway through the album as it kind of slows down a bit you start getting a lot more personal about like toxicity and bad relationships and creature to me struck me as the like the narrator taking back their their identity and their self and being like yeah go fuck yourself i'm awesome I don't give a shit what anybody thinks or says. 
because I'm yeah. just going to do what I got to do. Um, and I mean, that's that's what punk is. And I love it. Yeah. And I, I like that it's it's a very strong like rock feel to it. Um, yep. And I think that plays off um, kind of the content and the lyrics of the song. I think it's it's born for that kind of hard rock sound. Um, yep. And I really like I don't think honestly they give us enough. I don't think they give us enough rock in this album without the industrial behind it. Um, yeah. I, I really love that blended sound that they've got, but I, this song was one that really made me wish we got some like much more like hardcore rock in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. Like creature starts with call me dirt or call me diamonds, call me crass or call me cruel. Um, call me daddy, call me baby, call me friend or call me fool. And then essentially goes on to say like, I don't want to be you. You don't want to be me. So fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And that's just, that song is everything about this type of music that appeals to me. Um, yeah. So right where you kind of, the back half of this album really blended for you um, yeah. between choke and creature. That's where I really kind of snapped back and started paying attention. Mm. And then unfortunately <laughs> black blood is probably the weakest track on this fucking album right after. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. What did you think about creature? Um, yeah, I thought it was a cool little rock song. Um, I liked lyrically. I liked it. I liked what they were saying. And I liked how all the verses were very like middle finger in the air. But then they sang the chorus really, really pretty like, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like there was no vocal fry. There was no like, there wasn't a lot of vocal effects on it. There's no distortion. It was just the two of them um, or the one of them double tracking. I'm not sure or the two of them double tracking, but it sounds like, like they're just singing and they're like, they're singing it in a really nice way. Like they're not, it's not to blend in or like add to the noise of the song. It's just call me in the morning, you know, stick your thorn in. I don't want to be, you don't want to be like, I just, I just really liked that sort of juxtaposition between what they were saying and then how nicely they were singing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it makes the chorus feel so poignant in the song because the sound changes pretty dramatically um, between those like (laughs) fuck you noise walls and then just this incredible vocal. Um, And I think the lyrics lend to that sound really well, but being so strong vocally as this band is, it's, it just makes it just, I don't know. It's like, it kind of brings you back and you're like, Oh, I need to pay attention to this. Uh, Like, obviously this is really important. And I think the yeah. pacing is really, really well managed for that. And then, yeah. Yeah. Like, I really love Creature. It's my personal fave. I thought it was just a really strong, really strong, like, product. And I, I love that it's punk. And that's just me. <laughs> I can't really apologize for that. Okay. No apology needed. So you wanted to kind of skip through Black Blood since you yeah. didn't really like it. I don't it, honestly have a lot to say about it. Say, unless you had something to say, I love that Black Blood's got that really kind of slow, jazzy blue feel. Um, that's just a sound I love. I yeah. love that it's it's very kind of like vocals are front and center. But uh, I don't know. Other than that, it just it Black Blood almost feels like almost like an obligatory track. Like a either you know we needed to pad the time or you know we needed to put out a slow like sad love song with a with mm-hmm. a blues background to it. Um, and I think realistically because it it's right between creature and limbs it suffers so horribly for it because limbs was another song i really liked i i thought it was really smart that they gave us one more track that's their sound 
And limbs is just, I mean, it's fun. It's, <laughs> you know, what is it? My, my thigh bones connected to my thigh. Like it's set to that beat for the chorus. And it mm. just kind of instantly made it fun and memorable for me and super catchy. I think limbs is another song. A, I could see getting a ton of radio play and yep. B, being a song that pops into my head all the time. Like there's going to come a day for sure in the next week alone where I'm going to be like, oh, I got to go listen to the song. Or it's going to be stuck in my head all day. <laughs> and I just I thought limbs was a really strong kind of return to form after how I felt about Black Blood. Yeah. Um, and then limbs being another strong track for me really almost highlighted how little I enjoyed Black Blood. (laughs) It's just, for me, Black Blood is in such a poor placement for that, because, like, Creature's banging, it's punk, Black Blood's kind of, eh, and then Limbs is fun and catchy and fast, and it just, they really overshadow Black Blood. Well, we kind of, we've kind of talked before about, like, this song on the album that kills the flow. Mm. And it's not that they're bad songs, necessarily, it's just that they're so out of place that yeah. it's hard to like them. Yeah, I think if Black Blood was a single I had heard, I probably would enjoy it well enough. Like the vocals are still incredible. I mean, that like that blues feel they've got and that like jazz feel it's got. I love it. I just yeah, I think on this album it's it grinds you to kind of a halt and it just it doesn't it doesn't reward you for that in any measurable or intense way it just kind of is a song that i listened to in order to get to the next song i liked Uh, (laughs) yeah that's totally fair um see i think i connected a little bit more with black blood than limbs but i think it's because i like slow sad songs yeah i totally get that um and actually i I, I kind of figured maybe like black blood and like girls can't play guitar might be a couple of the songs you liked yeah Um, and that's just one of those music preference differences between us yeah, like I start, I find um, I don't really, I don't have a lot of self-awareness about my musical taste and what I tend to go to. But every once in a while, you know, someone will put something on social media or be like, does anyone have any like song recommendations or music recommendations? I'm trying to like listen to new stuff. And um, and I find myself occasionally, like I did it for a friend of mine a couple of months ago, like put this huge list of stuff together for them. And I sent it to her and she realized she was like, well, I listened to this a little bit, but it was super sad and I'm not really in a good place right now. So I listened to this, but that was sad too. And they <laughs> just realized I sent her this, like <laughs> it's like basically large collection of various sad music. Oh, no. <laughs> completely Unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> and even the stuff that I thought I was sending that was more like upbeat and like, kind of like dancing and stuff, the lyrics on it were sad. <laughs> yeah so, Fair um, enough. So, sometimes i'm a little too on the nose <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm a little i'm a sucker for a minor key song and uh i'm not someone that listens to music a lot to feel happy fair enough like i totally understand that um <laughs> and actually really like as we were talking about it, it occurred to me that black blood it we haven't talked about them on the podcast and i'm sure we will at some point but black blood actually did really remind me of cigarettes after sex i, <laughs> I was think gonna- I think that's why, like, right away, I was like, ooh, Bryn might like this one. Just because that was the band you'd recommended to me. And I really like Cigarettes After Sex. Um, Fucking love Cigarettes After Sex. Yeah, this song just totally, like, if this got dropped onto a Cigarettes album, I don't think I would even notice. Like, Yeah. <laughs> the only thing it, it would be noticeable is it's not, like, ambient enough. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to, I definitely want to talk about Cigarettes After Sex, because they are probably my favorite band in the last five years. But again... 
<laughs> we can't tangent too much. It's been too much this episode already. Well, well, that and again, it's just you know me being a little bit you know spot on for it's like oh Brenda's likes in a sad ambient music. <laughs> hey, everybody's got a preference. How many times in the last three episodes have I gone on and on about how much I fucking love punk music and anything remotely punk? Maybe. It's like such an easy way to win your way into my heart. Give me some <laughs> like hardcore lyrics and a little bit of vocal fry, and you've got me. Like. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. But yeah, remember, um, I don't realize it could, but I play a lot of music at work, as you know, and I was working with our um, coworker, Tiffany, and I was listening. I don't remember what I was listening to. It might have been like the Alice in Chains self-titled album or something like that. And she was like, and she was one of the people that like has never told me what music she actually likes to listen to. Um, but she was like, when you turn this off, it's making me want to kill myself. And I was like, it, I think it's kind of supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean, fair enough. I think I think we've all got at least, you know, one album buried in our kind of reservoir for that instance. It just so happens that's your preference. That's their front and center for yours. Don't don't mean it to be. Like a lot of happy music, I think I just yeah, just kind yeah, of where right. I like go. you said, if if minor keys and ambient music is just what does it for you, it's just what does it for you. It just happens to be that those are typically accompanied by sad lyrics. Yep. Um, and one day, uh, you know, I was thinking about it this week, you know, I think when I was thinking about albums that we should do coming up and stuff, and, uh, it occurred to me that, uh, I'm probably going to make the suggestion at some point to listen to, uh, what's her name? She had the, she was, she shows up on final space all the time. Oh, I don't know. Mary Shelby or something. Mary Shelby. Why does that sound really familiar? Um, hang on. I'll find her. I think I was thinking Mary Shelley. So disregard my comments. (laughs) Shelby Mary. I got it wrong. Shelby Mary. I think that's probably one of the reasons I connected with that show so much. If you haven't watched it, watch Final Space. It's really good. It's really funny, but you're going to be sitting there laughing and realize that uh, you haven't ever felt this sad before and you're not really sure what happened to you. (laughs) (laughs) We were just having a fun laugh and, you know, watching this kooky guy go on adventures. Why am I suddenly so horrendously suppressed? Hey, we've all got our things. No judgment here. Hey, like I say, um, I, I love I love sad shit, but you know, my favorite television show of all time is Top Gear. Yeah, and exactly. I just, <laughs> and I just cannot watch it without a big stupid grin on my face, wishing that I could be part of that. I think um, it's impossible to watch Top Gear at all without a big stupid grin on your face. <laughs> yeah, you either love Top Gear and you're just like in, you're watching it with like a big grin on your face, or you just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I've met a lot of people that like Grand Tour or Top Gear, and it's like they fall kind of like in the middle of it. It's either like, I love this show, it's hilarious, I love watching them, they're funny, blah, blah, blah. Or it's just like, oh my God, you're not going to talk about it, are you? Cool that you're watching it, but can, will you talk about literally anything else other than your <laughs> car show? It's like it's not about the cars; like you're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, jumping ahead, um, limbs. Yeah, fun song. Really fun song. Let's jump to girls can't play guitar because they can. <laughs> and they do it quite well on this song and this album. Um, yeah, this one I knew as soon as it kicked in. I knew this was going to be kind of your vibe. Yeah just from all the music you've recommended and that we've listened to together. Um, And I think this song, honestly, to me, crucify me if I'm wrong. This song is like, this song's rock and roll. Like this is just true old fashioned rock and roll. Like there's very little kind of blues song. 100%. It's 12 bar blues. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's very little um, electronica. I mean, the drums are really methodic and heavy and they're just kind of a backbeat. And then, like you said, that that 12 bar blues, um, 
Because, right, I don't know the fancy terms, but that was literally, I wrote, you can feel the blues and jazz. This is a rock and roll blues song. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. It's so good. Holy yeah. shit, what, what a strong way to, like, technically, the radio out of Filthy Freaks ends the album. Eh, yeah. I don't think it does. Girls Can't Play Guitar, it's a fucking killer album closer. It's so good. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because it's like all of these things that like, you know, the lyrics are like things that girls are quote unquote good at, but then they're like, oh, but girls can't play guitar. And it gets really vulgar at one point when she's like, Rosie, when you blow me, I see stars, but girls can't play guitar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Like to me, lyrically, it kind of immediately made, made me think of um, I'm just a girl by no doubt. Um, yeah. But way more intense way more explicit and i think way better <laughs> i always want to against the no cover of i'm just a girl oh my god it'd be so good are you shitting me <laughs> like oh, i never slow. thought of that before <laughs> I, i'm just a girl like one of those real slow ones that he does oh yeah <laughs> anyway sorry sidebar <laughs> yeah that's just I way more vulgar shit. than that but yeah it's like you know where she's like i'm just a girl i can't drive my car at night where this girl's like you know pull my pants down while i lick your plate clean like, right <laughs> like holy shit this is might be one of the only songs i've ever genuinely heard that lyrically is fucking punk as fuck <laughs> but musically is all rock and roll blues like it's so good um and I, I like that this song gives you a couple, they're short, but you get a couple instrumental breaks with the guitar. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really cool that after this whole album kind of showcasing how strong Rosie can sing vocally and right. Carmen does some backups um, and she's present and it's good, but it's never the focus. I liked that. Um, I think it, at some point Carmen gets about a 10 second kind of like, I don't think it's a solo cause there's still drums, but Carmen gets like 10 seconds to just, whale on the guitar and it's so fucking good it's so well done yeah um, like it it just i don't know right away like i laughed when you mentioned stevie ray vaughn earlier like i heard like stevie ray vaughn fucking hendrix like they instantly just popped into my mind i was like damn this lady can play fucking guitar holy shit <laughs> it's so good <laughs> um, so i was really curious to get kind of hear how you felt about it like yeah. what it sounded like to you really yeah, well, for me, it's just, I think it's just uh, a fun highlight of them kind of showing more of their musical talent. The guitar breaks in it are great. The fact that they are basing it on this really simplistic 12 bar blues, which is one of the first things that like any guitarist learns, sort of as like a tongue in cheek, sort of like, you know, you know, we can't play, we can only play. Yeah. But yeah, but then the whole thing is just like, you know, all of these things that girls apparently can do. Um, whether they're misogynistic or not, but oh well, you can't play guitar. It's biologically impossible. <laughs> it's just I know the lyrics like fucking make me laugh. And the worst part is like they make me laugh because they make me realize as absolutely incredulous and as insane as it fucking is, there are people out there that fucking believe that shit. Of course there are. <laughs> never before have I ever wanted to be like put those motherfuckers all in a room. So I can play just the guitar riffs from the song for them <laughs> and be like, fuck it, eat it. <laughs> like this lady's better at guitar than you will ever be. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just such a strong, oh, so good. Like yeah. I love the feeling, like the vibe on creature the most, but man, this is such a good song. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize really how much I loved it until I, I re-listened to the album before, like did that kind of refresher before we record. And I got to this song and I was like, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. Like this song is already in two or three of my 
like Spotify playlists. Like I, I added it right away. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not even usually that big of a, that, like that, like rock and roll feels not usually for me. Like if I'm going to listen to rock, I prefer it to be like hard rock or like punk rock. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. I can't say anything else. It's just really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to this damn song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish we could play music on our podcast, but there's all these like problems with copyright and shit, but yeah, just go check it out. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't listen to anything else we've ever recommended or talked about, go listen to this damn song. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. It's only two minutes and 32 seconds. Like you, you'll be fine. Right. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's the album. I hope you liked, I really enjoyed it, but I mean, I have been for a couple months now, so I knew that going in. Uh, I did. I really did. It's definitely going to be something I play in the guitar a lot. I'm not sure if uh, it's something that I would play all the way through, but there's definitely at least six or seven songs on this album that I would very happily put in a regular rotation for like, like car jams. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Right. Like when you had mentioned before that, like the, for you, the first half of this album's really good. It's really strong and the back half kind of lost you. I'm just really glad you enjoyed the front half of it. <laughs> Yeah, it just, I don't know, it's just, I don't know, it's such a good album. I'm glad you enjoyed it because, like, this is one of the ones where I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I hope it goes well because I fucking love this band. Yeah, no, I think you've caught me at a time in my life where I'm exploring and getting into more industrial, more electronic music anyway. I'm not sort of just listening to a lot of guitar based stuff. And this is obviously very guitar based, but I don't know. Yeah, it was great. It was definitely great. Um, definitely something I listen to again. I don't know. Like we don't have any kind of like a you know ranking scale. You know, I'd, I'd say this, this as an album for me. This is like a like a four out of five. <laughs> yeah, that might be something we could do too. You know, round of the year or something is we can each put together a list of kind of our rankings for what we've listened to so far. Yeah, and I think as we were talking about sort of you know off the podcast, um, we're gonna start each of us probably building our own Spotify playlist on what we've listened to, like our top two or three songs from each album we listen to. Yeah, I'm excited. So it, yeah, and I think we should do it independently because the songs will probably be different. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. There's already been, I think, every album so far. We've we've either had one song that was the same, but I think every other song was was different. Yeah, um, and I think absolutely. that's just a really fun kind of example of that small but definitive kind of gap in our our pop culture experiences and our introduction to music um, yeah. before we get lost and lose track here one thing i want to say is anybody listening go listen to the radio edit of filthy freaks and hit me up on twitter instagram let me know if it's different because i can't tell if it is like somebody proved me wrong or right i just i gotta know <laughs> What do you think? Do you want to do a live album for next week or do you want to not? Because the stuff we've listened to this month has been kind of not conducive to finding a whole lot of live material. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that today. Like I really love the idea of doing kind of a live album to cap things off. Um, but like you said, I think, I think even down the line, that's a problem we're going to run into kind of every so often is that especially once we start getting into the, you know, the more experimental or the really indie stuff again, um, yeah. like we did with Eliza, that live albums or like live performances might just not be a kind of a, a viable option. Um, so like, if you want, like, right, like we said with like Pink Floyd, we could do live, but it's going to be a collection of smaller kind of live recordings. Um, well, the problem I found with trying to do live Sid Barrett stuff is, you know, this, like I sent you that stuff on YouTube and yeah, like there's astronomy 
Domini or however you pronounce it. Like there's a performance of that song. And then a lot of the other stuff you find is like them at clubs kind of just jamming. It's not even some of them that I found aren't even songs from the album or songs that were released. It's literally them just up on the stage jamming. There is like a live version of that power song. There's a live version you can find of Interstellar Overdrive. But I think it's not like we could like I'm not sure what we'd even talk about. Yeah. um, So what I was thinking is maybe for the live ones, rather than it being almost like a structured thing, like every fourth or fifth episode or whatever it is, it might just be that maybe every now and then we'll just do like a, you know, a live throwback or like a live re-listen essentially. And it won't be any set amount of times. It'll just be like maybe in an episode or two, we find an artist that we, one of us thinks has a really intriguing live album. And we just release that as like almost like a little bonus episode, like, um, you know, bonus live re-listen and we'll keep it shorter. Like we did with like Eliza. Yep. And then I think too, it being that kind of bonus episode format would allow us to tub. Cause I'd love to talk about, like I did watch those videos. They're very good. So I would love to be able to talk about even smaller kind of isolated songs and incidents like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's viable to kind of consistently make that a full episode. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, and I agree. And I think that's part of the reason why we call this thing life to labyrinth is so that we could make twists and turns as we saw fit and we wouldn't know where it would lead us. Cause I mean, we've also talked about like watching a mini series or a movie and talking about the soundtrack on it. You know, we are going to do the labyrinth soundtrack at some point. Oh, absolutely. We have to. <laughs> yeah, we um, so yeah, I like that idea. I like, um, take a bit of the uh, structure out of it. So yeah. And I'm glad with, that we've decided that because I wasn't honestly sure what we were going to find. I'm all for listening to bootlegs. I love bootlegs. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I love the idea of us each picking, like if there's a, a wide variety of, or a large selection of live footage or live recordings available, even if they're not officially released, um, that we could listen to different ones and talk about like what we found if listening to different, the artists at different um, points in their career. But yeah, I don't think any of the stuff we've listened to in the last five weeks really lends itself to a full or even like short episode for us to discuss on the podcast. Yeah. And right, I, part of my concern is I don't want us to essentially end up constraining ourselves to be like, Oh, at some point in the next four weeks, we have to listen to a band that also has live material. I'd really like to just kind of keep it so that if, you know, we happen to just hear a new band on the radio or something, we can be like, Oh, let's do them next. Or, you know, something pops into our head, like something we listen to as kids be like, Oh, let's give them a shot. Yeah. Um, But I do want to keep, yeah, I would love to still be able to do those little fun bonus episodes with stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, And for next month, so we're going to have to decide on an album for this week. And I guess it's my turn, but, um, for next month, we talked about we're each going to pick like our like two albums from our childhood, one that our parents introduced us to and like one of our first albums that we got on our own and yeah. and kind of look back on where we came from at the very, very beginning musically. But for next week, I don't know, we've had I've had a couple of people suggest stuff to me that know that we're doing this. I'm not sure what I have handy. But uh, you know what? We're just going to make it a surprise for next yeah. week. We're going to decide on our own. Tune in to find out. Um, it'll be on Instagram before we put it up, um, what it is. Um, and yeah, that's that's the episode. Yeah. Tune, in, tune in to find out. Sometimes we'll let you know what we're going to do. And sometimes we don't have it decided. And this is one of those times. But I guess I'll, I'll have to pick something and tell Stephen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please do. Because I have a couple in mind, but I can't pick every week. <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm liking this back and forth that we got going on. So yeah, I'm, I always look forward to whatever you're going to drop on me next. 
All right. Cool. 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 All right. Well, I think that's it for Bones UK. Check out the album. Um, support indie artists. We love them. And uh, this is definitely one worth listening to. Give them a couple of listens. Download their album. Buy it on Bandcamp or yeah, wherever you get your music. There's wherever you so get your music now. <laughs> listen to it on their official YouTube channel because then they'll, <laughs> they'll get money for it. Uh, okay. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening, Stephen. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Goodbye, Brian. As always. <laughs> always so much fun. It's always much fun. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth. <laughs>